This segment of Bird Talk Radio was brought to you by Avian Select Aviculture Products, bringing the best selections of pet bird products to market. Visit avianselect.com today. Enjoy this brief segment of Bird Talk Radio Bits and Pieces with animal behavior consultant Steve Martin, founder of Natural Encounters. During this segment, Steve Martin discusses biting behavior, hormonal relevance to biting behavior, myths about biting and aggression, focus on positive reinforcement, body language, free-flying birds, and Natural Encounters Tech Talks animal behavior forums. Come on and listen. We got suggestions on the Bird Talk Radio. If your bird's misbehaving, we'll help you save it on the Bird Talk Radio. If your bird's getting rowdy, just call and say howdy on the Bird Talk Radio. We are birds of a feather. We'll stick together on the Bird Talk Radio. Dot com. I, I look at it from a science perspective, you know. We know that there's something reinforcing biting behavior. We don't always know what it is. Often we don't know what it is. But it's often easy for somebody to put a label on it and say, well, a bit because the bird is hormonal. All animals have hormones. And, and these hormones sometimes can change or influence behavior. No problem. But they don't determine behavior. Hormones might have a little influence on behavior, nesting behavior, territorial aggression behavior, maybe. But I've heard also that if a parrot's on your hand and the bird likes you a lot, and here comes your husband that the bird doesn't like, that the bird will reach down and bite you to warn you of this intruder coming in. Um, uh, I've also heard what you said, too. Birds will bite other birds to get them to move because there's another male they don't want them to, uh, to interact with. None of this makes any sense to me after watching parrots in the wild for, I don't know, 20 years or something. I've never seen anything like that in the wild. But I think it's easy for people to kind of make up stuff um, that they see and try to connect it to wild behavior, even though they haven't seen parrots in the wild. Um, they're try- searching for an excuse for this behavior, maybe. Um, yeah, there was one person who talked all about hormonal Amazon parrots. Oh, my God. Went on and on about these Amazon parrots. They get hormonal and then they bite and everything. And if you've got a male that has all these different symptoms and it's a super male because it's so hormonal, all that stuff is just made up and um, it, it doesn't connect with wild behavior at all. Um, and it's an excuse, you know, that bird goes, you go to step that Amazon parrot up and he reaches over and bites you. It's because he's hormonal. No, it's not because he's hormonal. It's because he didn't like what you were doing. His wings are clipped. He has no way to get away. The only way to communicate with you is to bite you. Um, and because you've left him no choice and you've taken away his voice, you go to scoop him up. No wonder he's going to bite you. If you put your hand over on the side of the perch and let him walk toward you to step up with a peanut, magically, he will not be hormonal anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy to yes. me that some of these misconceptions are out there. Birds in the wild. I, I was reaching. With I've that. seen it. No, no, you're, you're well, reciting things that I've heard plenty of times. But let me just say one more thing about the wild. Uh, no, go ahead. In Steve. the wild, 
in the wild. Um, and I've seen this so many times. Parents sitting in a communal roost tree, sitting by their partner. I see it even here in our flocks of macaws when a bald eagle flies over. In the wild, a bird gives an alarm call. When it sees an eagle or sees a predator, a snake, gives an alarm call. Every bird on that clay lick or in that communal roost tree, every bird takes off and flies. They don't stop to look. They don't bite the bird next to them to warn them. I mean, that could be the end of them. If an eagle is flying in and you hear an alarm call or you see an eagle and you go to bite the bird next to you to warn it, it's going to distract that bird. It's going to distract you. And now both of you are vulnerable to that eagle eating you. So in the wild, when, when they hear an alarm call, they just fly. Every bird around that hears that alarm call flies. They, and so biting, here's what happens. Birds on the uh, person's hand, the wife's hand, if he's bonded with the wife, the husband walks in, he wants to bite the husband, wants to bite the husband, wants to bite, he can't because he can't fly. So he reaches down and he bites the person whose hand he's standing on. Science describes that really well. It's called redirected aggression. So the aggression he wants to play on the husband over there is played out on the person that he's standing on because of frustration. The frustration of not being able to get over there and bite that person is played out through these emotions that cause that bite or trigger that bite. You know, that's how it works. Yes. So I, I think you. a lot of times people behavior make is up, uh, learned, right? And, and yeah, I'm, it's learned. I was reaching when I when I when I submitted that uh, that description of um, that we were talking about. But uh, Steve, what what I was reaching for that you've already you've already confirmed in many ways is that everything <clears throat> we do with our pet birds is training isn't it isn't everything we do uh, yeah. uh with them uh some time of training because everything you do with your pet bird involves some response from the bird yeah and that's a really good point mike anytime you interact with your bird you're shaping and influencing behavior now just because you don't have a peanut in your hand and you're not giving cues or things like that. It doesn't mean you're not training, but you're always shaping behavior because the things that you do, and see, here, here's what it comes down to. For every action any animal makes, there's always conditions before that action or that behavior. Those are called antecedents. And then after the behavior, there's always consequences things that are related to that behavior occurring again. So we as trainers, we adjust the antecedents. The antecedent for a bird to step on our, on our hand is you put your hand up toward the bird. And you can either force the bird to step up or you can put it over by the perch and let them walk over to you. And then once the bird stepped up on your, on your hand, it's immediately what happens after that is a consequence. The consequence determines whether that behavior is going to occur again. So if he steps up on your hand by force, you force him up, and then you go sit on the couch or go someplace scary with him, the chances of him stepping on your hand the next time decrease. But if he steps on your hand, you give him a treat, a piece of his favorite food, like a peanut or a little piece of cheese or celery 
then the chances of him stepping on your hand next time increase because you reinforced or strengthened that behavior. You see, there's so many people out there that have such different perspectives on training animals. Um, and sometimes people just say, don't let him get away with that. Make sure he knows you're the boss. And that attitude is so foreign to me because we fly birds free. We, we have 200 birds that fly free in our programs. And if we were to force a bird to do anything, we'd take trust out of our account. The, the bird wouldn't want to come back to us. These birds uh, have all the food that they want. They come back to us because we have favorite treats and things like that. But it's a complicated thing, you know. Imagine, you mentioned earlier. Imagine if when, someone forced you to do something, listening audience. It is. Yeah. It is. Isn't it, Steve? Isn't it mostly just a huge matter of patience and observation and responding well, to is key. Um, what you're observing with patience? Yeah, patience is key and um, observing the body language and, and giving the animal a voice so that its body language is its voice. And when you allow that bird the opportunity to use its voice, and that voice is as strong as your voice or even stronger, then you're not going to invade its personal space unless it invites you in with its body language. Now, you, you mentioned earlier uh, something, Mike, that just came up, and that was um, force-free animal training. You know, I've heard that said a number of times now, force-free. But reality is that nobody is force-free. I mean, nobody is a pure positive animal trainer because we have to do things to keep animals safe. So force-free to right, me... We have to influence it, them somehow. So there's some type of yeah. force. There's some type of well, influence. I, Maybe it shouldn't be called force-free training. Maybe it should be yeah. a, a de deficient <laughs> influence training or something no, like that, yeah. right? It's all really a really good label for it, and that is positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement trainer. So positive, we add something the animal likes to the environment. But, you know, I mean, if you're sitting there cooking and all of a sudden your bird flies over and is going to land on that hot stove, you've got to move your hand to stop the bird from getting hurt, right? So there's a lot of things like that that we do sometimes to keep birds safe. Um, a bird, when you're going to close a door and a bird puts his head in the door, you move his head back real quick before he uh, gets his head caught in there. So there's little things like that. So I'm reacting to this label that I hear, have heard people say several times. Well, I'm a force-free animal trainer. It's really, you know, it's just a label. Um, and one of the people who talks so much about force-free is very happy to show you how to put a harness on a parrot. And you might train putting a harness on with positive reinforcement, but, you know, as soon as that bird flies off or something and that harness takes hold there's a lot of force there that is no longer force free so exactly. i like to just focus on positive i focus on positive reinforcement giving the animal a voice having a relationship with an animal where its body language shows me through approach behavior that it wants to be with me wants to fly back to me that's why our birds fly back to us 
but it takes a long time to develop that, um, those flight skills and 100% recall. You know, we don't lose parrots. We fly hundreds of parrots and we just don't lose them um, because they want to be with us because of the high trust account. But building trust is a difficult thing, man. Takes a lot of time. Naturalencounters.com listening audience. Naturalencounters.com I hope you enjoyed this segment of Bits and Pieces Bird Talk Radio. Portions of live Bird Talk Radio shows we selected for the benefit of our listening audience worldwide. Visit birdtalkradio.com soon for links to our 24-7, 365 Bird Talk streaming shows, podcast shows, and don't forget to shop our online store for the best select products for your pet bird at avianselect.com.